Let us begin our message. We're talking about faith, what it means to have faith, how to experience real faith in your life so that God shows up and does miracles, changes circumstances in your life. How do you get there? We've been reading the verse, uh, Hebrews 11.6. The whole series is built on Hebrews 11.6, which says this, without faith, it is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists. And number two, that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. And we're talking about how to seek God and experience miracles. Now we're reading throughout the Bible, New Testament, Old Testament, we're jumping around all over the place to show you what it looks like when God shows up and changes things. And what we're trying to show you is that oftentimes God shows up at some of the strangest times because things oftentimes go terrible before you see the miracle. But it's why you need a miracle. If you don't need a miracle, you're not going to get one. Everybody wants one, but then we get mad when we need one. Oh, <laughs> where's God? Why do I have this terrible thing? Just relax, okay? This is how you get to miracles. We're showing you some of these. So today we're going to look in the book of Daniel, <laughs> third chapter. Now Daniel, this is Daniel in the lion's den, Daniel, okay? And uh, uh, Daniel is uh, uh, under the rule of King Nebuchadnezzar. King Nebuchadnezzar was like the uh, ruling, consuming fire of his day, you know, like Alexander the Great kind of deal. Historically, if you look it up, you'll find major characters like Alexander the Great, Genghis Khan, Nebuchadnezzar, the Babylonian Empire. These things actually happened. And uh, uh, Nebuchadnezzar came through and he just destroyed Jerusalem, which was God allowed that because they had been so bad and so disobedient. So anyway, what Nebuchadnezzar would do, he would come in and he would just wipe out and he'd take over complete cultures, and then he would take the best of that culture and incorporate it into Babylon uh, as a way of kind of tying his gigantic kingdom together. And he would get the best of the best, the brightest, the smartest, the best looking, the most talented, bring them to Babylon and incorporate them uh, in helping to build this huge kingdom that he had. Uh, the Bible says that uh, Daniel and some of his friends, and it says the name, I can't remember the names, you can look it up yourself, but they changed their name to Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Uh, the Bible says they were good-looking guys, they were very intelligent, you know, and, and because God had given Daniel such favor with the king, which you can read on your own, uh, they were given high positions of authority in the kingdom. We often hear of the story as the three Hebrew children. They weren't children, okay? These were grown men. Our timer is stuck up there. Forget that timer. Look at this timer. Okay. <laughs> You'll never go home. I got another 28 minutes for the last three hours. Uh, the, uh, so anyway, so, so here's the deal with these guys. And uh, so we read it in, in uh, Daniel 3, verse 1. King Nebuchadnezzar, this really obnoxious, self-centered, narcissistic monster, which if you read, he was just out of control, this guy. But he makes an image of gold, 60 cubits high, which if you know your cubits, is like 90 feet. I said 9 feet in the first service. 90 feet. It's 90 feet tall of gold at $1,800 an ounce. <laughs> well, I'd like to find that rascal in the backyard, man. I'll tell you right now. Yeah, we're all going to Puerto Rico. Woo! All right? Come on, we're all going. Get on the plane. We're going to Puerto Rico for Sunday. Uh, so this thing's huge. And he sets it up on the plain of Dur in the province of Babylon. And then he summoned the satraps, prefects, governors, advisors, treasurers, judges, magistrates, all the Yo Mama guys, all the provincial officials to come to the dedication of this image. So the satraps, prefects, governors, advisors, treasurers, judges, magistrates, and all the other Yo Mama people show up for the dedication of the image. And they stood before it. So they're just standing there. Hey, nice. Yeah, I, oh, $1,800 an ounce. Check this out. So they're checking out this thing. 
And then all of a sudden, the herald proclaims, which is more like a butter commercial. But uh, anyway, the uh, old joke, nations and people of every language, because these guys are from all over the place, right? They're all Babylon, but he had all these people. They came to the best of the best. He'd incorporate into his thing. He says, this is what you're commanded to do. Commanded? What? I thought we were just here to look at the statue. So they come, and he says, here's the thing. As soon as you hear the band kick in, with the sound of the horn, the flute, the zither, the harp, the pipe, and all kinds of music, you have to fall down and worship the image of gold that Nebuchadnezzar has set up. So as soon as it's like musical chairs, you know, as soon as the music says, you got to kill that, 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 So as soon as the music kicks in, they all got to fall on the ground, hullaba, 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 and worship the stupid image, okay? And then the next verse, he has a small incentive involved. Uh, he says, whoever does not fall down and worship will immediately be thrown into a blazing furnace. This is known as incentive. Okay? So, <laughs> like, holy cow, this guy's intense. Never cares for us nuts. So anyway, as soon as the band kicks up, well, everybody hits the floor. Yeah, hullaba, 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 hullaba. I don't want to get thrown in the fiery furnace. So they're all worshiping. Okay? And then at verse 8, now, at, at this time, some astrologers came forward and denounced the Jews. They didn't like these Jewish guys, but, but they were really jealous. I mean, Daniel and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were these yo mama guys. They're coming up in the kingdom. They're really bright, having this strong. They didn't like it. So they thought, this is a great chance, because they know they, they wouldn't bow down to the sidle. So they said to the king, Nebuchadnezzar, may the king live forever. They're always kissing up to the king. And then they said, your majesty has issued a decree that everyone who hears the sound of the horn, flute, zither, lyre, harp, why they keep repeating all these musics, I don't know, all these instruments, but they have to fall down and worship the image of gold and that whoever does not fall down and worship will be thrown into a blazy furnace. But there are some Jews whom you have set over the affairs of the province of Babylon, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Again, these are grown men, not little children who are ruling in the kingdom with them. And they say, they don't pay any attention, your majesty. They don't serve your God and they don't worship the image of gold you've set up. Well, furious with rage, because Nebuchadnezzar is this narcissistic monster, summons Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. So these men were brought before the king. And Nebuchadnezzar says, is it true, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you do not serve my gods or worship the image of gold I've set up? Now when you hear, now he gives them a do-over. That's pretty important. The reason he did them the door, this is Nebuchadnezzar. He didn't care about anybody. He killed so many people. He lost count a long time ago. Normally in a situation like this, you're busted for that. You're just dead. It's over with. But he likes these guys. You can read earlier in Daniel. See that he liked these guys. He's given these, so he's given them a do-over. So he says, now listen, when you hear the sound of the horn, the flute, the zither, the horn, blah, 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 uh, if, you are, if you are ready to fall down and worship the image I've made very good. So you get to do over here. But, but if you don't, you guys, you will be thrown immediately into a blazing furnace. And then what? God will be able to rescue you from my hand. Well, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego applied to him. Well, King Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. These guys, these guys, they were strong. In other words, the king's giving them a do-over. Look, we're gonna, the band's going to kick up again, then you fall. And, and they said, no, no, don't, don't worry about it. Let, let the band take a break, okay? Because, because we're not doing this. And then they make, I think, one of the most brilliant professions of faith you'll find in the Bible. And it's so clear, and we're going to be focusing on this profession of faith over the next several weeks as we try to understand what faith is and how to get miracles. Because now I'm not into formulas for me. I tell you, don't, lots of people try to find a formula. Well, how, Pastor, do I pray this prayer, or if I do this one thing, or if this happens, and if I stand like this, you know, how do I get a miracle? It's not about 
the formula. It's about experiencing God. That's why Jesus, God, they're always doing miracles in different ways. Why? Because we have a tendency to try and lock into a formula. So there is no formula, but if there's anything any close to a formula, this would be it. These are three elements that you need to have to experience a miracle. If you've ever experienced a miracle in your life, it's because you've had these three elements. And if you haven't, it's because you lack one of these three, if not all three. So we're going to be talking about these. So these guys make this incredible profession of faith. Number one, he says, if we are thrown into the blazing furnace, I'm being a little optimistic, there is no if, they're going to get thrown in. Number one, the God we serve is able to save us from it. Number two, he will deliver us from your hand, your majesty's hand. And number three, even if he does not, we want you to know, your majesty, that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold you have set up. Number one, God is able to deliver us. Number two, he will deliver us. And number three, even if he doesn't deliver us, we will not bend. We will not bow. We will not serve your God. So number one, let's talk about this first one. They say the God we serve is able to save us. Now, sadly, we live in a world today that doubts that God is able to do anything. And you have to be careful because, you know, we live in this culture, which is pretty much a, a godless culture. Uh, and you're in it. I mean, there's, you know, we can't just all live in a cave somewhere and just, you know, if we want to be like the Amish and just have our own culture, that's not going to accomplish. What does that accomplish? You know, Jesus said you're in the world, but not of the world. That's the challenge. We're in all this mess, but we need to make sure we don't think like the world around us. We need to think like people of faith. So we hear things all the time. If you're not careful, you'll let the way they think start to have an impact on you. And if there's one thing that is just getting stronger and stronger in our country is that there really is no God. And if there is a God, he's way out there somewhere, but he can't really do anything. Now, you know, on the way down to uh, Puerto Rico, La Isla del Encanto, the island of enchantment. I'm watching this movie, okay? Because I get on the plane, you have these movies. So I see this movie, it's called Paul. It's about a little green alien by the name of Paul. Yo, my name's Paul, okay? This is actually talked that way. And, uh, and so I'm watching this movie. And, and I'm, you, you never hear me get on these things, you know, don't watch this evil thing. And this, you know, because I think some people have. A lot of preachers react over stuff that's a bunch of nonsense. But I got to tell you, if there is one movie you will ever hear me say, do not let your kids see this. It's this one. This is blatantly the most anti-Christian film I have ever seen in my life. I was stunned watching this thing. My wife said, why do you keep watching it? Because I, I couldn't believe it. I'm thinking like, it's got to change at some point. It's got to let up. But I was like, holy cow. Now, what's sad about it, it's a pretty funny movie. Very creative. A lot of cursing. You shouldn't let your kids watch it just because of the cursing alone. But man, the message against Christianity is brutal. I'm watching this thinking, man, what is it with these guys? You know, who dropped them on their head? What, what am I do to someone that hated that? So, I mean, and part of this thing is this little green alien. And, and it's, up to this point, it's very funny. Uh, but uh, they meet this girl who's a Christian. She's got something wrong with her eye, and she has her Bible, and she believes in Jesus. Well, he uh, lays hands on her to clear her head with his alien power so that she can realize there is no such thing as Jesus and Christianity and God. And then she's set free. She's born again, if you will. She's anti-born again. 
She's free. So now she's, oh, you set me free. This is great. And now she has to learn how to curse. So they teach her how to curse. And part of the funny thing is that she curses very badly. You know, ha, 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 ha. You know, and then she's got to learn how to fornicate and everything else. You know, because this is now, she, she's finally set free and stuff like that. And I'm thinking, holy stinking cow. You parents, by the way, watch what your kids watch. I know a lot of y'all run around doing stuff, but be a parent for heaven's sakes. We never let our kids watch something we hadn't seen first. Or at a minimum, we're watching it with them. And if it's too bad, ah, off it goes. Don't let some video raise your children. Somebody say amen. amen. You let your kids see this, I'm going to slap you. <laughs> you know the pilgrims had it together. They used to stick people in stocks in the public square, hurl garbage at their face all day long. That'll cure you right there. But anyway, so this thing goes on and on. It is unbelievable. Now stop and think about this. Well, something that you have to notice about science fiction themes is the people who get into it tend to really get into it. Some of you don't like it, but there's those of us who love it. You're Trekkies and you know, Star Trek and all, you know, all this stuff. We like this stuff. Because what's part of fun is, is, is some of it's based on actual science and concepts and ideas. They really believe this stuff at some level, okay? I mean, it's like Star Trek. I saw this great documentary. I talked about it a few years ago when we were teaching on the Lord's, uh, or not the Lord's Prayer, but the uh, Apostles' Creed. But uh, if you ever get a chance to see this, William Shatner does this documentary called uh, How Star Trek Changed the World. And it's fascinating because all this stuff they were doing back in Star Trek actually got in the head of people when they were kids watching this, and they went and invented stuff because they got the idea from Star Trek. In fact, you remember Star Trek with those little communicators? Beam up, Scotty. And people could have little things in their hands on their belt and they pop it up and they could talk to their buddies and stuff. Wouldn't that be wild if something so incredible could actually take place? <laughs> well, the guys who invented these things, they went and talked to the inventors and said, well, we, yeah, we got the idea from watching Star Trek. Isn't that wild? And uh, you remember how Kirk, you know, would walk onto the elevator and the door would open for him automatically? Those of you geezers like me, you remember, ooh, look at that. Smart doors. How would the door know he was there? Do you remember? I mean, we saw this. It was like a big stinking deal. Well, you went through one of those this morning. You walked up there, you walked up and they talked to the inventors of this. They said they got the idea from watching Star Trek. Then they went and talked to the guys who invented the MRI machine. The ability to look inside the body without cutting. And they said, we got the idea from Star Trek. Because Dr. McCoy could hold that little thing over you. And he could see inside you. I mean, this stuff, and it's amazing, actually, some of these things come to mind. Do you know there's people to this day spending tons of money? I was reading the stories about a year ago uh, where they're still trying to create a transporter device. <laughs> now, I think they're a little nuts. At some point, you've got to stop, okay? But they said, oh, Star Trek, it's got to be real. Yeah. So, uh, but it's something they actually believe this stuff. At a scientific level, they believe. When you see these things, they really believe this stuff. It's like the Wrath of Khan, and they had the, uh, the, uh, the Genesis machine. You remember the big Genesis machine? It looks like one gigantic, you know, suppository or something. I don't know what that thing was, but it was just... Uh, <laughs> I don't know why you come here. But anyway, so they, they got this thing, and, and it's a machine, and it can create life. And, and when you watch the movie, they talk about the myth 
the stupid religious myth that God created the earth in six days. <laughs> but a machine can do it in 15 minutes. That we believe. And you, and you remember, they, they saw this cool movie, and they make the Genesis, and it turns this moon into this lush, you know, Puerto Rican paradise, and it's all very, very cool. And, and people walk out, oh, yeah, that could happen. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Listen to me. It's not that these people don't believe these things can happen. Because by their own art, and by their own films and their own books, they write about it all the time. They just don't believe God could do it. They hate God. Even the little torpy green alien. He takes this little religious girl who's got the... Uh, and he lays hands on her and heals her. Who's that sound like? I don't know. Jesus? Oh, Jesus. Can I still... Ah, ha, 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 ha. But an alien? Well, yeah, that, that, that's real. That could happen. Now, if he's green, of course, that, that could happen. But Jesus can't do it. That's a joke. I'm telling you, they don't have a problem believing in the supernatural. They have a problem believing in God. They don't have a problem. These all these guys that oh, took 15 gazillion years before a chicken could cross the road. They don't have a problem believing in creation in a snap. They got a problem believing God could do it. That's their problem. We live in a world that hates God. Make no mistake about it. Even as, here's a movie you should watch with your kids. It's called Expelled. Ben Stein does this thing on this documentary and how anybody in academia who even so much as acknowledges the possibility of creation or that there is a, uh, just an intelligent design is thrown out of academia. I mean, it's brutal when you watch it. It's just hard not to get mad. But then they interview this guy who's like the, the daddy-o of evolutionary thinking today. You know. And they ask him, he says, now, do you really think all of this just happened on its own? Because people, stop and think about this. Do any kind of study. Everything from the smallest bug to the biggest whale and all the gazillions of life forms in between, the chance and they're, how they're all structured and they all interact with it and how they know how to do stuff and give birth and build things. They do. Boom! If you believe all of that happened completely, perfectly balanced on its own, you are crazy, in my opinion. You, you, have, you have got to take your brain and put it in a jar, which you could do if you're a green alien. You know, if, if you really think, oh, yeah, it just happened. Oh, it just, uh, just, just happened. Oh. So they asked this guy, says, really? You think there is no... And then he says, well, to tell you the truth, he says, it is so complex and so amazingly structured. He says, we do believe there was probably an intelligent design. And the guy interviewing him goes, really? He says, yeah. He says, we, we, we think it was aliens. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. So this guy, you got to watch this documentary. It's unbelievable. He's like the brilliant, most smartest guy. And he's, at least, because even those guys at some point know what they're selling is a bunch of horse manure. Even they say, yes, we are starting to, not, there had, to, we're talking about, there had to be some kind of intelligence. There's no way, the way this whole thing worked, it just happened without, but, but we think it was aliens. See, they don't have a problem 
with intelligent design. They don't have a problem with miracles. They don't have a problem with creation. They don't have all the stuff that they get. What they have a problem is with God. They hate God. And if you come up with a machine doing it, of course that can happen. If an alien lays hands on it, oh, of course that, you know, one of the scenes in this movie, the, a bird falls dead on the ground because they bumped into this bird or whatever. So the bird's dead. And the alien picks up the bird and goes, and brings the bird back to life. And I went, whoa, you saved that bird. And then he ate it. Which a very funny scene in this movie, actually. And they said, why did you eat the bird? You brought it back to life. He said, well, I'm not going to eat a dead bird, for heaven's sakes. You know, but, uh, you know, it was a funny movie. A lot of cursing, but very anti-Christian. It is bad. Look, at some level, the devil doesn't mind if you believe in miracles. Do you know that in the end times, when the Antichrist comes, and we don't know when that will be, before the world ends, there's going to be this guy, Antichrist, that takes over the world, that he's going to have with him a guy who performs miracles. The whole world will see his miracles. It won't be from God, it'll be from Satan. Trust me, the world doesn't have a problem with miracles. All the things that these intellectuals say they have a problem with us, they don't really have a problem with it at all. Because in their wildest fantasies, they believe all of this stuff is possible. You can lay hands and just straighten on someone's thinking. You have the Vulcan mind mill, you know. Laying on of hands. Some of it are actually biblical principles. But they can't handle that God would do it. The devil doesn't mind if you believe in miracles. He just doesn't want you to believe that God can do them. And if he has to tolerate that you believe God can do miracles, he just doesn't want you to believe God will do them for you. You see, this is where he says... They made this proclamation. The God we serve is able to save us. God can do this for you. And some of you, when you're struggling in your faith, I promise you, you have a problem with this. You either have a problem with God can actually do it, or if you get past the idea that God can do it, he won't do it for me. It's amazing. Talk to anybody who counsels people. In, in, in faith matters. Any pastor, you try to talk to people. You try to encourage them in their faith. Well, pastor, you can't do it because of this. And I know it, God should answer my prayer, but this happened, and then that happened, and then, you know, this, this went on this way, and, and, I, and you can't save my marriage, pastor, because, you know, it's been gone for 20 years. For 20 years, he's been demon-possessed. I can't take it anymore. You know, and, and my kids, I don't know what's in their heads, and I, everything. You know, God could, but, you know, maybe, but, but I don't think he can in this situation. I hear it all the time. I hear it from some of you in the biggest panics of your life. Trying to talk to you about faith and experience of God to change. No, yeah, but God, he can't. He can't. Not my situation. You don't understand my job. You don't understand my finances. You don't understand my insane wife. You don't understand any of this stuff. God can't change my thing. I know he can do it for Pastor Lathan because he's holy. <laughs> I know he can do it for this person or that person. Yeah, no, yeah, okay, but he can't. No, no, not mine. Something's always something. Well, well, he was sick. Well, now he's in a coma. You know, it's over. Well, let's pray. Well, it's too late. He's in a coma. I mean, it doesn't matter. Whatever you don't mind, you don't understand my situation. That's what I hear from people. But pastor, you talk about God, but you don't understand my situation. What you're saying is God can't. Listen to me. I don't care what your situation, God can. God doesn't look at your situation and go, oh, too bad. God doesn't go around saying, oh, I can change your situation, and I can change your situation, and I can, oh, you're a mess, I can't fix you. You know, I, I, seriously? You think you've got something so much that God goes, 
Well, I don't know how to fix that. <laughs> Anybody got any ideas? I've never seen this before. <laughs> you think God looks at you and goes, oh, myself. <laughs> oh, what, what, what am I gonna do here? I don't know what to do here. <laughs> Listen to me. Step number one, God can do it. He can do anything. I know it seems like the world's ending. I know it seems like it's more than you can handle. I know it seems like a frustration that you've never seen before. But trust me, God can change your situation. Amen. But then we get to the second half of that first statement. Well, God can, but not for me, see. God can't do it for me. I know he can, but I, you know, I'm not like Pastor Lathan. He's holy, you know. I'm more like Pastor Mark. He yells at people in airports, you know. <laughs> I think, you know, you read the Bible, you think these guys were so holy that God was drawn to their holiness. Like, they're holy people. Read the Bible. Some of these guys were obnoxious jerks. Remember we read about David last week? Oh, he was fighting for the Lord. Yeah, at some level he was, but he was also interested in the money, the girl, and no taxes. Didn't sound very spiritual to me. God doesn't freak out. Listen, God moving in your life isn't based on you. Believe it or not, God doesn't need you to be God. Amen. 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 Thank God for that. Because some of us lose it in airports, you know. <laughs> God can do it. And he can do it for me. You have to get this. No matter what your situation. Well, Pastor, I have to say, okay, we're not there yet. Well, maybe he won't. Okay, we're not there yet. We'll deal with that. But the number one thing before you deal with anything else, you've got to understand God can do it and he can do it for me. Even me. Even impatient me. Even I don't pray enough me. Even I didn't read the Bible very much me. Even, you know, I talked to the gate agent from hell me. <laughs> Even people like me that don't do things right all the time and we make mistakes. And we, yes, even you. God can do it and he can do it for you. Now whether or not he will, we'll talk in the messages to come. But number one, you've got to get this. He can do it. I don't care what your deal is. And he can do it even for you. Hallelujah. Can you pray with me now? Before you go, I'm gonna, I'm gonna ask my cute little red-headed wife to come up here. We wanna pray for her. She is going in tomorrow for surgery. And she has a little history in her past. She hates this, she hates this because she doesn't want any of you to know she's there. Okay, Pastor Lathan, come here and pray with me. You guys come here, any elders or whatever, come up. We're just gonna, we're gonna pray for her. And uh, she has a history of cancer. And uh, they found something. They're going to go in and they're going to cut it out. And we want to pray. She's going to tomorrow morning. We want to pray it goes really, really well. Amen? Amen. And we want to pray that we get a good report that it's nothing. Right? Amen. Hallelujah. That's right. Because God can do it. And he can do it for me. Hallelujah. Say, so what if it is something? Well, then these sermons become very personal next week. All right? But it doesn't change anything. God can still do anything. Amen. We've been down this road before. Hallelujah. I don't think God's out of miracles yet. Let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name, I pray for my sweetheart. Thank you for my girl. I pray, Lord, that you keep your hand on her.
that if they do the surgery tomorrow, everything will go really, really, really well. And then she'll recover very quickly. Hallelujah. And Lord, we pray for a good report. We ask you for healing throughout her whole body. That we'll hear a good report, Lord, because we believe you can do it. And you can do it for us. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. Everybody said, Amen. Amen. I'm done. <laughs> I'm going to invite our ushers if they would go ahead and come and our worship team as it returns back up on stage as we just prepare our hearts for communion this morning. I've been challenged by a very direct and specific message this morning. Have you ever heard somebody say that it's dangerous to go to church? I'm not talking about your drive from your home to the church building. That can be dangerous, not so much in weather like we're having right now, but if it was uh, ice out on the road and six inches of snow, it could be a little dangerous. I'm not talking about coming into the service and being dangerous, that someone behind you, in front of you, or sitting next to you could be dangerous, that they may not like you, and they may turn around and throw something at you. I'm not talking about danger like that. But I am talking about danger in the fact that when we gather together, when we open up our heart and worship, when God's presence is here, God has a tendency and he loves to put his finger in areas in our life that need healing. You know, some of the only way that you can get a, an injury healed, if you were to break your leg, the only way it can be healed or dislocate your shoulder, <clears throat> sometimes it takes a good hard pull and to get it back in place. That can be painful. So yes, coming to church can be dangerous. And for some of you this morning, being challenged by God's word, but being challenged about your faith and where your faith is and where you stand with your walk with God and believing God can do a miracle in your life is the challenge that you have this morning. Because you see, you've got to make a decision. For some this morning, there's going to be a challenge about where you stand in your walk with God. Do you believe that He is a God that loved you so much that He sent His Son to die on that cross, to shed His blood so that you can be set free from sin? It's a decision that you need to make today. For many of you, maybe that decision this morning of stopping and saying, do I really believe? Do I believe that God is able or am I going to put all my trust in me? Am I going to stand and think, I can do this? Am I going to come to the place of finally surrendering my heart to God? In 1 John chapter 5, verse 12, in the Message Bible, it says this. This is the testimony in essence. God gave us eternal life. The life is in His Son. So whoever has the Son has life. Whoever rejects the Son rejects life. It's a decision. It's a decision that you have to make this morning. Many of you have made this decision already. You've chosen life. And maybe there's someone here this morning that the Holy Spirit has really been working on right from the very beginning. And right now, this morning, you're going to have to make a decision. That's part of the danger of coming to church. Are you going to accept the life, that gift of life that Jesus gave? Or are you going to reject that life this morning? In a moment, I'm going to invite all of us to pray a simple prayer. 
A prayer of repentance, a prayer of confession, a prayer of, by faith, asking Christ to come into our life and become our Savior and our Lord. Beginning this faith walk. It's at that time that you will be making a decision. Yes, I want to choose life. I want to choose life. So would you bow your heads with me? And I'm going to invite you to pray this prayer with me this morning. And that we, this morning, as the Holy Spirit brings conviction on our lives, that there'll be many folk here this morning that will be choosing that life, the life that God offers through Jesus and not rejecting it. So we just pray this prayer, these simple words after me. Say, Dear Lord Jesus, something in my heart tells me I need you. I now confess my sin and repent of my sin. And by faith, that saving faith, ask you to come into my life as my Savior and my Lord. Amen.